Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. My friend and co-host for more than four years now is Bruce Aldrich. We haven't seen each other for a bit, and every once in a while, when either a guest uh, has to reschedule or we have a lot on our minds, we don't have a guest, and we talk through the automotive industry, and there's always a lot going on. So we're going to do that today with four or five different topics. And uh, Bruce, welcome back from your vacation. Hi, James. It's good to be back. Uh, beautiful weather here in Sacramento today. Yeah, much better than it's been three it's days been ago. hot, 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 windy. Yeah. Yep. And you guys experienced some of that. I think we talked uh, off air about your fifth trip. It's a good place for us to launch today. Fifth trip with the fifth wheel. Yes, very good. And Bruce, uh, you and I have talked about it a lot and maybe even on our podcast a little bit about some of the learning curves, you know, backing into a, a space, uh, maybe some mistakes that were, or things that had to get fixed in your new rig, um, learning curve of being a new owner. So on your fifth trip now, what are, did you have any uh, updates for us in terms of, you know, how experienced you are, how comfortable you are now with your new vehicle? Sure. We're talking uh, an F, a Ford F-250 with a 7.3 liter gas motor in it and hauling a fifth wheel trailer. Uh, it's a Keystone Cougar 29 footer. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what we're hauling. And I would say that we've got it down now, my wife and I. We, mm -hmm. we know what to do. Yes. But it's like flying an airplane. You almost need to go through a checklist on, you know, hooking up. Yes. It's, Smart it's idea. Smart I, idea. Uh, I, we, I make a lot of mistakes, but I haven't wrecked anything yet. Yes. I mean, like putting the the the, uh, the landing gear, it's called, on the front of a fifth wheel. Put those down before you unhook the car. Um, you know, little things like that. Or make sure the tailgate's down before you back up into and hit the fifth wheel hitch with your tailgate. I mean, right. little things like that that would, wouldn't be catastrophic, but would cost money. And let me, before you go further, which I want to hear about, I like what you said. At least you're the, the kind of person who would say, I can learn about this, as opposed to the people who just think that they know from the get-go and make a lot of mistakes, right? And right. suffer. I, I make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> but yeah, like I say, I haven't suffered from anything yet. Anyway, we towed about uh, 300 miles one way uh, down south through the uh, Central Valley of California with a massive tailwind. And oh, so boy. I got, at least according to the trip computer, I got a... Uh, wonderful 10.2 miles per gallon, but that's uh, freeway speeds and actually up in it's a 10-speed transmission. I could haul in 10th gear going wow. down the, going down the freeway, so that's pretty good. That's how I got that great mileage. Yes, coming back, I had the same massive headwind, and I was I went slower, and I was still driving like sixth and seventh speed. Gotcha. So the engine's whining a lot higher. Anyway, the trip computer said 9.2 miles per gallon, so okay. it definitely dropped it down. So I learned something about wind, but uh, even the crosswinds, though, really pulling that fifth wheel, I don't feel the wind at all. That's Trucks great. going by, whatever, it, it, it pulls really well. I was a uh, quick diversion. I was in Colorado for a few days, and we'll get to some of those things, but I noticed that Colorado gas, I never saw anything higher than like 450. Oh, I wish. And what was I it? Wish. What was it like in the Central Valley? Was it up close to eight, nine, or seven? What was it? No, uh, yeah, close to seven. Close to seven. Um, My gosh, I, uh, the truck takes regular. So I, the cheap yeah. stuff was, uh, well, along Highway Five, which is a main uh, route mm. north south 
through the Central Valley of California, it was uh, cr- uh, from the big guys, you know, the the uh, Chevrons. Yes. That type of gas was yeah, crowding, crowding $7, and premium and diesel are over 7 Good Lord. And uh, I could get the cheap stuff uh, at Arco. It was about six seventy a gallon. Gotcha. So the Ford F-250 uh, has maybe a 30-gallon tank? You know, I've forgotten. It's either 30 or 34. I'm kind okay. of thinking it's 34. All right. But so that's yeah, a couple hundred dollars per yeah, fill Yeah, you fill that boy up and it... Uh, a couple bills. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, uh, you stayed at... You, you went to um, uh, Paso Robles, right? We stayed at Paso Robles for three nights, and we stayed at uh, called Avila Beach, which is down oh, by... Oh, uh, What a city that is. Pismo. Yes. Everybody knows Pismo, at least in California, because that's where the off-road uh, vehicles go. Yes. Uh, and you can drive on the sand, so that's really good. But we stayed, you know... Eight miles away, a yes. place called Avila Beach, and you it's can park right on the right on the beach, which yeah. is really cool. Really cool. The uh, tour of California several years ago, and the man who kind of runs Avila Beach pretty much bought a stage of the tour of California. So I got to stay there one night uh, for the finish of a race, and then stayed overnight, and then the race started there. So Avila Beach got on the map that way. Oh, okay. And in, in the tour of California. Really nice little town. Really nice little town, yeah. Yeah. So the the uh, in your experience now where you where you park the the motorhome and the accommodations and the people um, you're still relatively new to RVing. I've never done it. So what are you finding in terms of um, when you go to a place, the accommodations are really good, the way they have it organized, the people who run these kind of places, is it um, different um, like anything else in the world, I guess that there's some people who are really good at it. Some people have wonderful welcome to our place and some maybe not so much. I think generally they're all really good. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a people business. So they, yes. they're, they are, they're accommodating. They're nice. They, whatever you need, they, you know, try to get it for you. Yes. And the people that you're camping around are very nice, um, outgoing you know, people you want to be around. So sure. it's it's a great vibe. A good good a good community. Because we both know, uh, well, my close friend, and you you know uh, Chuck Woodbury through RV Travel, and some of his writers and Chuck himself has written about some of the different problems that um, with overcrowdedness and different things. Um, that's his stick. To, that's to, his to, stick. To, to work on the negative. To work on the negative, but I also... I don't really see any of those negatives. That's great. Uh, he, he has done some stuff on... Um, you know, what would it be, tentacle curfews and things like that, or children. Um, yeah, he's tackled some of those issues, and, I mean, he, he runs a pretty thorough uh, website, but he, on, on his website, anything, any topic on RVs, just, there are people all over the map, the people who comment on the thing. I'm, I've been amazed at some of the negativity that comes well, in. Well, a lot of the, the RV places are different. And yes. Privately owned or they're... Sure owned by a conglomerate or they're a franchise, but you kind of know what you're getting into when yeah, you go there. You should. You should have a good attitude going in as the... I would think, yeah. you know, um, well, the good thing, too, is you, the thing has wheels and you can leave. You so can that, leave. that's the good thing. That's the good thing. Well, I'm glad that experience number five, each one seems to be getting uh, better or more comfortable, and you, you have a dog that you bring. We take our dog, Indy. That's great. And Indy's uh, to my left and to your right. She was, he was sleeping, 
but he opened his eyes as soon a little as you bit. say his name he's awake. he thinks maybe he's, he's sleeping he's sleeping i don't know why i've been doing that with our new dog too calling it a she when it's a he um stanley um well a, a good transition into this uh, i went to outdoor retailer for three nights in denver um all-encompassing uh outdoor retailer show um anything you can imagine was there not too high tech so that it was beyond uh, my pay scale as the saying goes but thoroughly enjoyed it and one of the companies i took a liking to was a a company in los angeles called happier camper and uh, they have four or five varieties of them uh lightweight 1800 pounds um anywhere from one of them that's called uh, they're calling it a mobile office tiny one to the most elaborate one which uh queen bed kitchenette bathroom um, very modular, like you take out the uh, one of the seats and, and you turn it upside down outside. You take the post, you do this, you do and then that's your picnic table. You put it in, you reconfigure it. That's your storage shed. It's a Swiss Army knife of campers, yes, huh? and I just it looked like an old Studebaker, and I, I mentioned it to the guy. He laughed and he said, "Yep, yeah, we've heard that before." So where the Studebakers, where where this, where that, it's got a retro look to them, very curved. Very, um, the wheels just look like old school wheels. The top one is about 68,000, which, which seems like a lot, but maybe it's not a lot. I don't know that world. But um, for a guy like me, I think it, it, easy to drive. You can tow it with almost any car that tows, well, 2,000 pounds, I guess you'd have to have for the biggest one. But the lightest one, um, I wondered if you would know now, Maybe the thing blows around in the wind. It's it's. I would I would think it would tend to. Yeah. I, that fifth wheel of mine, it's uh, it grosses at ten thousand pounds. Right. So it's a little higher than the five times more the, than yeah. yeah. I just got the biggest kick out of this thing. So I is it a low roof line thing? I, I'm not uh, familiar with it. Six is it a, feet five inches is the top. It's like okay. you step in if you're and it had a, this. I just love the way it reminded me kind of, a, um, I guess it would be almost cliche, like a tiny house. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a multiple purpose. So the bench seats are... It's the European model, it's huh? It's the European model. So you you turn, you take out the kitchen table and you bring it outside and then that, that becomes the base of the picnic table. And you do this, you do that. The refrigerator uh, doubles as this. And I just got the biggest kick out of... Um, the compactness of this. Now, whether um, queen bed, uh, whether uh, it would be just too close and you wouldn't have any space, I don't know. But one of them had a pullout. Is that what they're called? A pullout? Um, uh, uh, well, a slide out slide normally, out, but this one out. probably would be uh, manual pullout. Yeah. So I I, I really like the, the people who presented it. I think they have four, three or four varieties of them. They're based in L.A., and, of course, everybody knows the term happy camper, so they're a happier camper. And I asked the guy, I said, oh, we had to negotiate, blah, blah, blah. They had to, to get that URL um, oh, okay. and get the name of the company. But the, even the lettering, the, 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 the script on the side of the camper has this wonderful old-school cursive writing. And um, they had one of them um, fitted with motorcycles, so you could use it as a, a mo pulling, you know, oh, if you're a, a guy who takes a, out dirt bikes somewhere, you could do it that. A toy hauler, huh? Yeah. And but these are probably incredibly expensive. Some of the things I've seen that are multi-use, small, European, they're yeah. really expensive for this what they are. Entry level was about 35, and the high-end one was 68. Where does that stand in Yeah, there? 35, you could buy a 
I don't know, probably a 25-foot uh, less expensive uh, conventional pull-behind yes. trailer. Of course, it'd weigh probably 5,000 pounds instead of right. 1,800. The, they won me over with their presentation and their uh, nice way about them. And some of the videos and the website's very cool. And it, you know, it shows people out in the boondocking out in the middle of nowhere and, and whatever they're doing, they're doing. But I just like the way the retro look to it. And uh, The retro look is strong right now. I yeah, mean. that's it. So and based in LA, so who would think that? A, I mean, why wouldn't it be in LA? Other than you don't the crunch of driving in LA. This seems about as far removed from downtown LA as as you could think. But well, uh, they might be taking off now with the price of gas. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, if you don't have to buy a heavy duty truck to to pull it. That's right. Um, well, not a very good transition, but. Uh, you sent something to me the other day that you've read about and have more detail on than I do, but um, we noticed we live in California. We noticed that California has allowed the, uh, permits for the cruise taxi to launch. Oh, my gosh, is that a uh, proverbial can of worms? What, what does that mean? I don't really know what that means. I think it seemed to, to me, I mean, maybe a little naive, it seems still a little dangerous. San Francisco, the city of, has is a big testing area for autonomous cars yes and there's at least i think three running in there right now yes they have a driver behind the wheel of course mm -hmm. but when you go to san francisco i see them all the time that the, for the various brands so yes they're, they're yes. quite prevalent there because you can see all the uh, lidar radar arrays on top of the the vehicle and all they're qu quite easy to spot yes um anyway this cruise company apparently was it dmvs or whoever's governmental agency over autonomous vehicles mm -hmm. they got approved to run driverless yes oh boy that's going to be cool we got to get that person on yeah next week i think we have uh, a guest um and uh the public relations person got right back to me and said we can't do it tomorrow meaning today but we can do it next tuesday now it was going to be certain streets so it wasn't going to be everywhere that's right and it was going to be, I think, from, uh, what was it, 10 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock? Sounds or six, right. Something like that. Some limited. So limited limited uh, afternoon, late, uh, I think it was 10 to 2 maybe, four hours. I looked on the When the nobody website. else is out there except for tourists. Except for tourists. I looked on the website, and um, by, this may be unfair, maybe it's perfectly fair, by the list of jobs they have available with this company, um, they have they have some big plans. I mean, they were, don't have they don't need drivers. They don't need drivers, and so they. Um, well, they if it to, takes off and it's successful, it yeah. could just blossom overnight. So there must have been thirty jobs or forty jobs available on their website from all kind engineering jobs, the controller jobs, this kind of thing. And I just happened to notice there were a lot of jobs. <laughs> so um, accident recovery teams. Tow truck drivers. Well said, Bruce. Um, yeah, uh, injury lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. That's kind of well. We'll see. Hopefully that they uh, they're, they're taking our sense. And of I humor. believe they're they're electric cars too. Yes, yes. And so, you know, um, it's coming. It's it coming. It is coming. It's yeah. coming. So that's that's that. Um, the other day, uh, when I do some work for RVTravel.com, I posted a pretty straightforward article about um, another variety of Ram truck that's out there, the highest grade, I guess, uh, with a 
Hellcat motor. Hellcat motor, $98,000 plus the um, destination fee pushes it over to pushes it over 100k for a for a pickup truck. 702 horsepower. Yeah. That's, so yeah. Uh, my goodness, Bruce. Um, I don't know how many Ram varieties of trucks there are. They have diesel and regular gas and this engine and that engine and towing capacity on the highest end one of an extraordinary amount. So what did you make of this uh, new Hellcat variety pickup truck with 702 horsepower? I don't know. I think it's great. (laughs) You should see the number of uh, the Ford Raptors, which is the Ford's top end. Uh, That's a a, uh, turbo six. Yes. I think it's around 450 horsepower. Yes. Somebody will correct me on that. Yeah. It's under 500, I believe, which is sort of the top dog. I mean, it's their sport truck. It uh, it's for off-road use and has a has a nice motor. There's those are running like like VW Beatles, Beatles used to in the old days. They're just everywhere, at least up there around Truckee. Yes. Uh, up by the which is uh, Lake Tahoe area. Uh, so they're popular. Mm-hmm. The guys want to go off-road and have some horsepower to play so this this vehicle this is gonna it's gonna blow that raptor away who knows if it'll have the suspension and everything like the raptor does it's supposed to it's supposed to i was going to ask you that you answered before i asked we i guess we i know you too well um who's going to buy this truck off serious off-roaders who are putting motorcycles in the back on i mean who, who not to be too uh smug about it but who needs this pickup truck it's a it's a sport truck, so you can go fast in it. It looks cool. Yes. And you can go off road. So, you know, it's got a lot of utility. You know, there's a lot of people that can afford a hundred thousand dollar car. Right. And you think about buying a some kind of sedan. What can you do with that? Sure. I mean, it's kind of limited. This goes fast, kind of like the sedan. Mm-hmm. And you can throw stuff in the back, and it's and it's four wheel drive, and so you could take it in the snow. I mean, it's it luxury really, too. It, it's a luxury interior. Yeah. Is luxury. So I mean, it really does it all. Sure, gotcha. And and, um, and you don't care about gas mileage. That's no, for you sure. gotta not care about gas mileage. And it's like I've talked about before. If the average price of a new car is forty five, and this is a hundred, and it's obviously more than twice as much, but it it isn't all that much considering where we're going with the prices in general. Right. So. Um, let's see, I, I was in Colorado for, as I mentioned earlier, for three days and I had a Nissan Pathfinder, um, from one of, from, um, Drive Shop, one of the companies, I, the liaison companies that I work for and I picked it up at the Stapleton airport and had it for three days and drove it on high 70. what did you think of that? They used to be pretty good vehicle. Pretty good vehicles. I, I liked everything about it. I liked the, the, the. Um, intuitive navigation. I like the space in it. I was very comfortable. No blind spots. A um, lot of spaciousness. And I was by myself, so I really didn't need it. But the only thing that I was surprised with is that um, well, Denver's at what's just under six thousand feet. It was a little sluggish on some of the like. If you're in a tight traffic and you're accelerating onto the freeway and you think, okay, I gotta, I gotta go. And it, it, it didn't want to. It didn't want to so much. It lugged a little bit. And maybe that was part and parcel of the altitude. I don't know. But it, that was the, I wouldn't say it was disappointing. And I have to realize that I've had some test cars that have been awfully quick. So maybe my mindset was. 
You're used to all the AMGs. Yeah, we're used to some cars that... Um, pretty darn fast. Yeah. Pretty darn fast. Uh, the Genesis that I had recently, uh, it's a, it was a Genesis, and it was f- like 4.7, 0 to 60, which is pretty good. Other was other couple of others that were under five uh, seconds, and I'm not even a performance guy, but I did notice that this one was... You had to put your foot into it pretty heavy to, to get through a tight situation. But other than that, you can you could see why the car's popular. It's versatile. It's uh, you know utilitarian. It, it it has a lot of space in it. And um, even though we only had it for three days, I was it's a worthy SUV and it's been around for a long time. It was a four wheel drive. I take it. It was yeah the all wheel drive um, variety and top end. It had a lot of creature creature comfort and so it was it was good in that in that regard. I wish you would have been there or at least another friend to get another perspective on it or if we had more luggage to see how it did with a little bit heavier load. But uh, for my needs, it was it was fine. You know, Interstate 70, I, I forget when I go to Colorado there, some of those windy turns on, I could see in the wintertime, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a tough place to be in the wintertime on that road. You always hear about, yeah, pile up on Interstate 70. It's summertime, beautiful weather. And there were some people who were just um, see any moose or didn't see elk any moose. Or no open, there? no open ranges. But there was snow on the you know the, in the in the Rockies. You always see that, and it's just yeah. it, it never gets old to look at. That's for sure. Um, but outdoor retailer did have um, uh, Overlander uh, companies there with RVing. Uh, it had this Happier Camper. It had uh, the show had uh, it wasn't automotive oriented, but there. Jeep was there. Uh, a few companies were there that are connected to the outdoor space, and uh, I didn't focus on it. But I think that um, even little things like there were companies there that if you wanted, you know, uh, packaged food, uh, there were some company uh, that'd be perfect to put in the glove box, or even little accessories, new kinds of coffee mugs that would fit better in the coffee cup holder. Little things like that. There were a lot of accessories, things for children in cars, things for animals in cars or SUVs or pickups. So the company seemed more attuned to... Aftermarket gizmos and gadgets, huh? Aftermarket gizmos and gadgets. Even the... I was interested in... I don't know about you, but I take my shoes off more and more when I drive because I'm uncomfortable with shoes on driving. So That's there, news to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And so the, the uh, even companies like Skecher were there and other uh, shoe manufacturers saying, yeah, these this shoe, you could you could uh, wear with a pair of khakis. This is comfortable for driving. It's comfortable for walking. So the companies seem to be putting out more shoes um, that are lightweight and comfortable that are multi-use shoes. Um and the guy was one of the guys was even telling me about that. That yeah, we're going toward things that people could, you know, if you're out and you want to go for a walk, you can wear this shoe and you get back in your car and or you go to a dinner and you still have your khakis on. So there were people with shoe companies that were trying to make shoes that fit into different categories. I'll be darned. Yeah, that's more than I've thought about my feet in the last year. Year I think. Well, wait I till just you put on shoes and I'm out the door. Huh? Wait till you get old like I am and okay, you'll, you'll worry about it. Um, Let's see what else is going on. Oh, we uh, one car of our color. car colors. One of our favorite companies. Uh, this is something else we don't know anything about. We don't know anything. What about do guys know about color? Color. That's right. Uh, Julie um, Blackley from iccars.com has one of her wonderful surveys out, 
and it's all about favorite cars, colors, uh, least favorite car colors, what it means in the new and used car market in terms of colors. So, Bruce, you're going to call that up. I think you may, you may have it, but fascinating that we some of the stuff we didn't realize, or I didn't realize, and I think you didn't realize it either, what some of the popular colors are. It's crazy that the most popular color is white. I thought, you know, we kind of all knew that. And then uh, silver, I think, is second. Um, the two most popular colors. But if you for the used vehicles, they say the obscure colors are, are the most, hold the value the best. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So yellow, orange, purple, red, green. But yellow is the top color. Holds for, the value the most. Yeah. What yellow cars would that pertain to? I mean, what used cars can you think of that are yellow that would hold the value? I don't know. Nothing, I mean, nothing stands out particular. No. Uh, obviously red, you know. Sure, red cars. Uh, sports cars. Sports cars. Orange pickup trucks or challengers, those kind of the orange, um, dual color orange, right? Maybe. So anyway, they use the popular colors like white, black, and silver. Mm-hmm. They have minimal impact on um, resale. In other words, they don't hurt the value, but they don't help it. Mm-hmm. They don't maintain its value. And so they, they have the other colors, the, the the weird ones. Well, I call them weird. I guess they're not weird, but yellow, orange type color. Mm-hmm. They actually add to the value on a used car. Mm-hmm. I guess people, if you're buying a used car, that stands out, right? You looked at 10. Yes, um, there you go. Uh, Toyota Camrys? Toyota Camrys. Yeah. White ones, it's like, okay, you get kind of bored with it, but all of a sudden there's a yellow Camry. You go, hmm, I like that one. I'll pay more money for it. A car that's not in a rental agency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's fewer of them, too. Yes. So you're going to look at 10 Camrys for every yellow one you see. Right. Good point. So what if, uh, if you have the stats in there, um, give us give us a stat or two that would say that would represent what we're so like yellow car would be ten percent more than a white Toyota Camry. Or? It doesn't have it broken down. It doesn't. These numbers are a little a little funny to me. They mm-hmm. put white we'll use as a standard. That's yes fifteen point five percent depreciation. I see. They put it as six thousand four hundred ninety dollars off MSRP mm-hmm. when you go to, when it's sold. Mm-hmm. And a yellow is 4.5% depreciation or $3,155. So they're saying a yellow car will bring you $3,000 more after three years than I'll a white one. I've always been told white sells the best because the white is, you know, doesn't uh, oxidize. Yes. It just looks fresh and bright and good. Where a, a blue one or a red one mm-hmm. um can look a little tired sometimes because the yes. paint doesn't last as well. Right. So oh, well. this this flipped everything around that I ever knew. Do you think that uh, speaks to the quality of exterior paint? Well, paints are getting better. Yeah. You know. That's and for and, sure. and we I've noticed on the Maroni stickers that you know there's a nice color. We've had I've had some nice colors that we've both commented on um, muted colors or is it matted or muted matted I think I don't. Anyway, there are more and more color choices, and you think it's included in it. It says uh, sapphire red, uh, $1,100, so the, the paint is better, and it costs the consumer more, too. Yeah, I used to 
No, I, the Germans started that, I know. Yes. At least that I would, became aware of. It was like Porsche mm -hmm. started that years ago, and now it's like... Uh, Common, yeah. A lot of cars are doing that. Right. Like I, Tesla, I like if it. you want white, is it, is it white and black? There's two colors you can get for free on a Tesla. The and other that's one, it. The other ones cost money. Yeah. Right. Um, and when you said a lot of cars are doing that. A lot of I got a white truck. I didn't. I didn't do it because it was it was cheaper. I did, that's what I wanted. I would take. But a white now truck. I guess I should have got uh, silver or something, or not silver. Gray. Gray was a good good color. And you, you mean if you go to sell the truck yeah. in five years or whatever, yeah. they'd have got okay. I, well, um, I still like your white truck a lot. Uh, yeah, it, I'm, it, I'm okay. It's okay with it. Um, I, it dawned on me the other day. You said car, and the way you said the word car reminded me of Carvana. And our neighbor across the street <clears throat> sold uh, an old Prius, and he got I think twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars more from Carvana than anybody else offered him. They came, they took the car away. It they had a, the cashier's check, and he couldn't find the second key. He found the second key the next day. He brought it to the local place, and they gave him another hundred or two hundred dollars. It was very nice. However, I noticed that Carvana. It's lost like 50% of its value in the last two months. They're suffering. They've, they've chopped off employees. They're going to offer far less for trade-ins. I don't know what's going on with Carvana, but have you read about that at all? No, you told me about it. I it's, did. Okay. I think they started to thrive a little bit probably during COVID. Yes. Now that that's over, it's Carvana's got to be an expensive way to do business with cars. You don't have people coming out to your house uh, with a with a lift truck and, yeah, and everything bed, else yeah. for no reason that you're paying for that. Yes. And yeah. and you're paying for uh you know, quick quick sale and a sure sale, not dealing with public. So it, right. it, that all costs money. That's right. Very good point. I noticed the first time I had seen one. They got to be given like wholesale prices. I I can't if the retail's 10 grand, they can't be giving you 10 grand for a car cuz they no. got to sell it. Yeah, they they they're probably giving you you know, wholesale. Yeah, sometimes these people with uh, with these great ideas, it, it, it backfires a little bit. And obviously it's, I mean, they probably know, they obviously know far more about their business than I do, but it seems like it's backfired a little bit. Well, they get the, it's the COVID thing about right. not people not wanting to go to walk around used car lots. Yes. And uh, the, the used car prices have been going up, spiking too. So sure. it's been a good thing. Maybe they're starting to flatten. I haven't heard. I, as far as I know, their used cars prices are still going up. But if yeah. those stop, then Carvana's just going to really implode. Implode. Yeah, I noticed for the first time I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen the uh, approach in pictures, but outside of Denver, uh, I stayed in Englewood. So going from Englewood to Denver on the right-hand side of Interstate is a Carvana uh, elevator, I guess they call them. And you see, you see the, the cars stacked up so that the... the like a um, candy machine, you know, you push the button and the cars come up and down. And I had not seen one of those before, so I had not it's either. Like, a, like an amusement park almost. It's, it's funny. I did see a Carvana uh, transport vehicle yesterday on the freeway. Yeah, with a car on there. So I don't know if they get to deliver it or it was picked up. Picked up. But, uh, my, I had my, never even seen Carvana in so long. We tried to get them as a guest in, uh, a while back, and they had because they they opened the biggest one in Las Vegas, like a giant slot machine, and um, we I tried to contact somebody, and they didn't want anything to do with us at all. Maybe no media, huh? No media. Okay. Um, but my neighbor and 
good for him. He got a substantial amount more for his old Prius than he thought he would, and, and that's great. Good for him. Um, well, I thought we'd end today with uh, something new. I wanted to mention to uh, our listeners that um, I started a new program, uh, Patreon, on my website, theweeklydriver.com, and people can go if they're interested, and we've been doing this now for four years plus. I've had my site for almost 20 years now. We're independent. We work hard at it, and there's a way that if you're interested, you can support us at the bottom of the website, uh, the bottom of the weekly driver on each page is a Patreon button, and uh, there's options to support us on a monthly basis or a one-time contribution, and Bruce and I were just talking about it earlier today. We are, there are some perks involved. If you donate a lot, it's you know it's a virtual handshake. If you give a little, but if, as the more you give, the, we have um, some things to mail, like we have uh, freebies, uh, freebies, automotive we, we books. Do get, we do get freebies, and I haven't told Bruce this, but I've lined something up with a sunglass company uh, from Denver called Knock Around, and we're going to sign up. And um, they have very inexpensive, well-built, polarized sunglasses. And um, so I was talking to one of the reps there, and we're going to do a, uh, a share with them. And so we're going to have, in the near future, we're going to have an area that you sign up. We're going to have a list of books that are available that you get for your contributions and sunglasses. And who knows what else is out there. So Sounds like a good program. Sounds like a good program. If you're interested, there's all different options, as little as a few dollars a month. And, of course, the sky's the limit. So... Um, uh, if you're interested, please take a look at Patreon. It's a, a give a lot and give often. Huh? Give a give, like public television. You know, yep. we, we need we need we'd like your support very much. Uh, it's at the bottom of each page, and you can click. And there's different options of whether it's PayPal or credit card, some other options uh, to support us if you um, if you like what we do. So, Bruce, thanks for uh, getting caught up today. We're going to be back with guests next week. So thank you for we joining us. We get to us. talk about autonomous cars. Huh? Next, yeah, next oh, week we'll see good. what it's like. Um, AI, right? We're going to remember the movie where they drove around in, sure. in taxis. Uh, thanks for joining us again, as always, on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Uh, for Bruce Aldrich, I'm James Rea, and we'll talk to you next week.